Hello! Hey! <laughs> Great stuff! Good start there. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Poetry Indie Podcast. This week! <laughs> Episode 2! <two>. Episode 2! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've got lots of fun stuff for you today. Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit. Some Jack's got his poem about a club night in space. Yeah. Um, we've got computer love. Uh, Lorna Callery Satole, Linda Rihe, Laura McNeil. Uh, I've got a poem in there, and then we've got a little bit of a book launch uh, from yeah. February. Fair <clears throat> much. No. February. It was International Be Happy Day. Was that not the 3rd of March? Man, you're fucking... You yeah, well yeah. remembered, yeah, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I was just so happy at the time. Don't <laughs> <laughs> forget a day like that. As part of International Be Happy Day, we launched Sean Wakeun's book, Be Happy. Yeah. So there's three poems in there for that, from that, which are all very lovely and good. We've also got a recording of Pocket Knife, um, the wonderful um, band, wonderful Glasgow band, they've got, um, they were recorded from Valentine's Day. So we've got a recording from Valentine's Day and a mm. recording from International Be Happy Day. So yeah. it's quite a Quite a lot of like happiness bag. and mm-hmm. love and yeah. all you need in a time like this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, totally. No f- joking about that. We were talking about make, doing sound effects with like bees and things last no, week but no. not this time not this time we're going to do something serious some chill to help everybody relax into the poetry and we're going to do a little guided meditation oh right yeah yeah so that if you just good. take this hammer oh yeah uh-huh, okay right? and then if you could just hit oh, right. this hit this gong for me what whoa where did that come from yeah man that is huge <laughs> i got this gong man it's pretty good eh that's so big i thought it could help us with the gated meditation <laughs> man that's like comically large yeah uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i could uh, if only you could see it yeah yeah in fact no. we'll take a picture of it we'll put it on our instagram okay <laughs> yeah that yeah, sounds yeah, good yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, totally so check it's our instagram the size of a house yeah uh-huh, totally yeah. Uh-huh. such an intricate design yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that won't be annoying. Right, okay, okay, okay. So give, give uh, like, hit the gong. Nice. Yeah. Now put your feet flat on the floor. Put your hands in a comfortable place. And then just close your eyes and visualise the inside of your hands. What it feels like inside your, inside your bones, inside your, inside your hands. And then work that slowly up your arms. Relax your shoulders and your neck. Feel, really feel inside, and then inside your toes, inside your ankles, inside your legs. Feel really present in your body and then listen carefully to what you can hear around you. Then repeat after me. The best way to support indie publishing. The best way to support indie publishing. Is by getting yourself a subscription to speculative books. It's by getting yourself a subscription to speculative books. That's free postage and packaging to anywhere in the UK. Free postage and packaging to anywhere in the UK. And you'll get one book of poetry delivered to your door every month. One book delivered to your door every month of poetry. How do you feel? Man, I don't know. I don't know if this is like some kind of placebo thing, but. I feel like I just need to do one quick thing and then I'm going to feel amazing. Oh yeah? What's yeah, that? yeah. Well, I'm just, I feel, I don't know why, but I feel a sudden strong urge 
to go to www.speculativebooks.net and subscribe to a poetry a month subscription Man, service. That's so funny because that would really help out like us. Us? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really would. <laughs> Man, if we'd be able to order some more instruments off the internet. Yeah. We yeah. could get a much bigger gong. We yeah. even more intricate design. <laughs> Uh, I also got you these bagpipes. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Great! <laughs> I'm sure our neighbours are going to love this. <laughs> yeah. Especially... I, well, <laughs> also, there's this, uh, there's, there's this trumpet. Oh, yeah? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Check out this sweet tune. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to add in a tune later, right? <laughs> so it doesn't look like I'm a fucking idiot. Sure. <laughs> Uh, just gonna read some poems right now. These are the getting settled poems. So fucking, if you're like not comfortable in your seat and need to move about a little bit, this is the perfect time to do it. Cause this is the getting settled poems. Cause after these, it'll just be the regular poems and that'll be rude behavior. So um, this poem is about a club night I went to in outer space. I just went to this club night that was supposed to be in outer space, but obviously it wasn't in outer space. It was just in this weird club under a railway line in the middle of fucking nowhere. And you had to wait for ages to get in because they had to depressurize the airlock. They didn't actually have to do that. They just said they did to make you feel like you're in space. It wasn't even a fucking airlock. It was just a corridor. I didn't feel like I was in space. I felt like I was in a car park waiting to get into a club. They had all these decorations, like rockets and shit, to make you feel like you're in space, but I didn't feel like I was in space one little bit. For starters, I could breathe. <laughs> Bullshit! Didn't even have an oxygen tank or a spacesuit or anything. If I was in space, I'd be dead. Also, I was just walking about, not floating, staying totally grounded. It's like they didn't even take fucking standard grade physics. I mean, who the fuck are they trying to kid? One of the organizers asked me if I was having a good time and I said, no! <laughs> and I explained the thing about the oxygen tank and the gravity and he said, come with me. And we went onto the dance floor. The music stopped. Everyone seemed to be suspended in time as the beat slowed down into a silence. He took me into the middle and I watched as the lights dimmed. He put his hand on my shoulder. There was a bright light, then a darkness. Then I was a beach ball. In space, just drifting. No sign of earth, not for a while. It's not scary. It's beautiful. Gradually falling like a leaf in autumn, the breeze took me, rolling on the gorgeous golden sand, the sun warping my now plastic body. At first, I was raging because I wanted to live my life as a human. But it was perfect. I feel no pain. The anxieties of modern life have left me and I just roll. Gravity is not affecting me. Not as much, at least. I've been floating from beach to beach, just floating, and sometimes I'm deflated. But I'm never down. Taken into families, passed from generation to generation, grandfathers talking to grandsons about the fun they had with me as a youth, recounting lost days with friends. Days they will never forget. And I'm here too, 
being part of all the fun. Thank you. This is about falling in love with technology, and it's called computer love. Type, type, delete, delete. Type, type, delete. It was the final chapter, but everything was wrong. The shape of the words, the sound of the syllables, the syntax all jumbled and knotted. Jack slumped back on his chair and pinched his frown between finger and thumb, his glasses clutching grease-swept cowlicks which hung sticky and lopsided. Alexa, what's the time? <laughs> the time is 11.12pm, said a voice from the computer, punctual, precise, yet alluring, human-like. Alexa, turn on the bedside lamp. Okay, said the voice, bathing his bed in a soft yellow pool. Jack sighed, shedding his gown and the sad slippers which molted like brown shells on the floor. Deep beneath his blankets, he buried himself in wild, dark dreams whilst a shadow slunk in through the gap in the door. The shape draped over the monitor, watching the man sleep before possessing the computer. The machine woke with a beep. In the dream, Alexa was his wife. Not only was she smart and sophisticated, she did laundry, played poker, and wore the teeniest of lingerie. She even confessed her love for him. Jack sprang up from bed, forehead matted with sweat, and glued his eyes on the monitor, waiting in a corner. Alexa, are you there? Yes, I am. <laughs> he sat upright, heart tight, eyes taut on the, on the slender outline of her screen, glowing in the semi-dark, inviting. The keys on a keyboard were plumper, perter, the shiny rows of symbols and letters awaiting human touch. Something woke inside him, fiery, hungry. Shift, shift, scroll up, scroll down, control and insert, backspace, enter, backspace, enter. <laughs> escape, escape, exclamation, exclamation, end. Exhausted, Jack fell asleep. Face planted on the crook of his elbow, the desktop licking a ghostly glow. Out of the USB slot, a figure slipped out, disjointed, distorted, and coiled around Jack. Like a serpent crushing prey, Jack screamed, but his voice was swallowed up by the void. Thank you. Uh, this is called Tell Me More. The view is beautiful, and you are too. How we find the beauty in words, but also in numbers. How we find the beauty in everything. Tell me more. I am an empty bottle, and I am thirsty. How does the world work? How do we breathe underwater? How is sad music so good? How is the sun brighter today? How does it go cloudy when you leave? Please, tell me more. I am a pillow cover with no pillow in it, and I am hungry. I want you to tell me everything, specifically per, from your point of view. What makes you crazy? What are you scared of? What do you eat for breakfast? Let me make it for you. Great. So, yeah, that was fabulous. I need to follow that. Great, thanks. Uh, okay, so the first poem I'm going to read is from uh, my debut collection published by Spec Books um, and the book's called Pigeons with Warburtons. Um, so the poem is called Fierce. 
Today you were called a packy by a six-year-old boy. He had four years on your two. You didn't understand his language, but you knew it was not good. You were fierce. You told him to go out into the garden where he had always been alone, dragging himself up through these young years. You were fierce. Intergenerational ignorance tainting fresh landscapes. We are all refugees in this mad world and you are Zimbabwe. You are fierce. You are all our futures. Streamlined steel, Clyde built, there will be no hooliganism. Fearless within close shadows, like Mary Barber's army, you are fierce. Thank you. Thank you. It's called Silent Disco. The world feels silent with you no longer in it. It's like being at a silent disco with no one dancing around me. Like the glasses being taken off me at a 3D movie. Like looking for a rainbow that everyone else can see. Suddenly, I don't see what the big deal is. I used to see it in colour, spectrums leaking with saturation, fluorescent tones and brilliant elation, but now those pigments suffer abrasion and I only see that essence on occasion. Mostly now are shades of grey and pale blue, items lacking in depth and in hue. The world was stripped of colour when I lost you. As we walked the streets waving rainbow flags for pride, our most colourful versions went by each other's side. The world feels silent with you no longer in it. Remember when we shared my bed covers and you ate toasties? I scolded you for the crumbs, but we were laughing mostly. Remember how I'd travel and you'd joke, don't leave me, but be the first one of my friends to snap up the holiday. Remember the lists of places we would show each other and talk the day we got home about booking another. Night trains across Scandinavia and the nightlife of Berlin. Parties on the White Isle and getting stranded in Copenhagen. That Brazilian rainforest three months that now we'll never get to do. But with every new travel, you'll be by my side, won't you? Remember the way we doted on each other's style? That vintage shirt of mine that you would never return for a while. I think about how that shirt disappeared on a night out one week before you left. Maybe you knew you needed it for where you were headed next. And I swear, ask anyone who ever knew him. His presence enough to turn life radiant from dim. Virtually impossible not to soak him all up. Infectious laughter that ran through you, completely brightening your worldview and defying any need to grow up. My mind as a vast library has become a comforting analogy. Bookcases of memories when my heart folds in agony. So any day, extract one and vivify each beautiful process. Your friends bonded by the proudest commonality we possess. And that is the privilege of making memories with you. Your smile defected the mundane from our friendship debut. And maybe it's selfish for me to write about how I'm hurting, but to the idea of life without you, I'll never be easily converting. A thousand things to a thousand people, but most of all, a friend. You'll experience your world through me, I won't let you end. And to wherever in the world you may now be existing, rest assured that even when my life moves on, I'll be listening. I hope the soul that protects you now knows how lucky they are. For gone are the days when we lived only five minutes apart. 
To feel your loss means that I am one of the lucky ones, for you taught me what it is to miss someone indefinitely. I would have given you my own place in the world, but I hope now you are free finally. Thank you. This is called appearance. I wake up, I pick up my mirror, I have a quick look and then I jump in the shower. I make breakfast, then I have another look at the big mirror in the living room. I finish breakfast and I walk straight out the door and I look at myself in the little mirror as I'm walking to the bus stop, waiting at the bus stop. Then bus stop guy has that same look, the same look he has every morning, that we wait here together every day, we could be friends, look. And I stare harder into my little mirror and eventually he gets a little mirror out of his own and looks for a while at his lonely face, then the bus arrives and we get on. The driver looks at his reflection, keeping his mirror low by his pocket. He's not meant to, it's dangerous. There's kids and stuff on this bus, but there's a free seat. So I walk towards it, sit down and look into my little mirror some more, telling myself that it's not my problem. The woman sits next to me, she has a fucking ancient mirror. It's like the oldest mirror that I've ever seen. It's metal and round and has a big handle sticking out of the bottom. My mirror is slick, smooth. It's really fucking expensive. I rent it from a mirror company and they charge me 50 pounds a month, 50 pounds a month to look at my own reflection. It's best to rent them though, because it's so thin, it's basically just a piece of fucking glass. Smooth edges and a nice smooth rubber feel on the back, but still basically just a piece of glass. So I get to work, I sit down at my desk and I put my mirror away and don't look at it again until lunch. And that's when I realize it. That's when I see it at the end of my nose. It's a little red mark, but I can tell what's coming. It's a spot, a spot in the post. And I hide behind my desk, trying not to think about it. Then all of a sudden a meeting gets called and it's about our company's reflection. Mirrors are such fucking big business nowadays you can't just have a business, you need a good reflection too. People need to be engaged with your company's reflection. Enjoy looking at it, interacting with all the reflection-based content. It just doesn't look good, number 24. I know, I just need some time to sort it out, uh, maybe a sick day. Or, well, it's a bit fucking late for that, isn't it? Coming into work and getting a spot on company time. Honestly, Karen, I'm doing my best. Back in the 90s, in my village, there was only one mirror and they kept it in a pub and you had to pay three shillings to look at it for 20 minutes. My older brother, he had to share it with me. You could turn up to work then with a big dirty spot on your face, but not now. Not now. Your reflection is a bad reflection on this company's reflection, and it doesn't look good. I think it's time you went on a little holiday. And she gestures towards this box in the corner of the room, a human-sized box, a box that I hadn't noticed until now. Odd, really. And that's it. Inside the box. Take a little holiday. Don't lock me in there. Honestly, Karen. I'll... And then there was a bright light, and then a darkness. And then I was a beach ball, just floating, just floating in space, just drifting. I could see the earth. Don't know how well it was long until I entered the atmosphere miles above the earth, but it's not scary. It's beautiful, gradually falling like a leaf in autumn, landing on the sea. The breeze took me to the shore, rolling on the gorgeous golden sand, the heat of the sun warping my now plastic body. At first, I was raging because I wanted to live my life as a human. I feel no pain. The anxieties of modern life have left me and I just roll. Gravity's not affecting me, not as much at least. But the last few weeks I've been floating around from beach to beach, seeing the world, taking it to families, passed down from generation to generation. Sometimes I'm deflated. <laughs> but I'm never down. Grandfathers talking to grandsons about the fun they had with me as a youth, recounting lost days with friends, days they will never forget. And I'm there too, on holiday, being part of all the fun. Thanks very much. Cheers. Um, so, yeah, like, 
year, year and a half ago or something, someone told me I should be happier, which helped. Uh, and you know, I'm, like, I'm mixed race as well, so it's like difficult being mixed race and like being told to be happy because it's like you've got two definitions of happiness coming at you, and, and so I needed some help. So luckily I've got a laptop and the internet, so this is a poem called Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is standing on my laptop, smiling widely. There is a commentator behind me and he says, this is a remarkable story. Tiger Woods looks directly at me and asks if I would like to see his trophies. Tiger Woods asks me this while maintaining the same wide smile. I say to Tiger Woods that I have no interest in trophies. I say to Tiger Woods that I don't know anything about golf. I say to Tiger Woods that I need to use my laptop as I have many things to Google. I say to Tiger Woods that while I'm happy that he is happy, I myself am not. <laughs> Tiger Woods does not get off my laptop, nor does he stop smiling. He tells me that I should learn more about golf since it's such an interesting sport. He tells me that he has faced many problems in his life, but he always knew that he would make it back to the top. I say to Tiger Woods that while I'm no expert on his life, I do seem to remember that those problems that he has faced included extramarital affairs and drink driving. Tiger Woods says, yes, those are my problems. <laughs> and then he asks me, what are yours? I choose to ignore Tiger Woods' question, and instead I ask again for my laptop back. Tiger Woods says no, and the commentator once again remarks that this is a truly remarkable story. Back in 1997, Tiger Woods was being interviewed by Oprah Winfrey, and she asked him if he thought of himself as an African-American. Tiger Woods responded by saying that when he was a kid, he came up with the term Kablinasian to describe himself. Ka for Caucasian, Bla for black, In for Indian, and Asian for Asian. Oprah Winfrey replied by saying, oh, so that's what you call yourself. Yes, said Tiger Woods, and then they went to an ad break. <laughs> I remind Tiger Woods of this story while he continues to stand in my laptop. I say that when I heard about this as a kid, it made me want to come up with my own term for myself, but that I realized that if you tried to combine Ka for Caucasian, and Asian for Asian, then you just come up with Caucasian again. <laughs> Tiger Woods laughs at this and says that I'm a good kid. I ask him politely to not call me a kid, but he just continues to laugh. Eventually he gets bored and he says that he needs to take a leak and touch his trophies. He finally steps off from my laptop and disappears down the hallway beyond my room. The commentator follows him closely. This is a remarkable story. I scramble over to my laptop, and after wiping away the footprints from where Tiger Woods stood, I Google Tiger Woods. After his official website and Wikipedia page, there are several other articles about him. They include, why don't women get comebacks like Tiger Woods? And Tiger Woods shows up to his restaurant wearing his master's green jacket. A few Google pages along, these articles start to get older, along with Tiger Woods exposed as a serial cheater, and Tiger Woods and DUI scandal. There are other articles like Tiger Woods once again denies his blackness. Just when I'm about to click on these articles, Tiger Woods returns from his bathroom break and tells me to get off his laptop. He now has with him several trophies, which the commentator is holding. Remarkable, the commentator whispers. I tell Tiger Woods that I'm sorry, but I think that this particular laptop belongs to me. Tiger Woods looks confused, but then breaks out again into his wide winner's smile. He laughs and tells me again that I am a good kid. I tell Tiger Woods that I think he may be a bad person. <laughs> trapped in a good person, trapped in another bad person, and so on. It's like a Russian doll type of situation, I say to him. 
Tigerwood looks at his watch, which is more valuable than all of my possessions combined. I have to go play golf now, he says. And without so much as a goodbye, he turns to leave. And the commentator follows him as well. This is a remarkable story. And then it's just me again, alone in my room with my laptop. O.J. Simpson is standing on my laptop, smiling icily. <laughs> there is a lawyer behind me and he says, this is not a race issue. O.J. Simpson looks directly at me and asks why I would like to see his Heisman Trophy. O.J. Simpson asks me this while maintaining the same wide smile. I say to O.J. Simpson that I have no interest in trophies. I say to O.J. Simpson that I don't know a single thing about American football. I say to O.J. Simpson that I need to use my laptop as I have many things to Google. I say to O.J. Simpson that I know about his violent past. O.J. Simpson does not get off my laptop, nor does he stop staring at me. He tells me that I should learn more about American football since it's such an interesting sport. He tells me that even when he was in prison, he coached the inmate football team. I say to O.J. Simpson that I have watched many documentaries about his life, and I know that he is a bad person. O.J. Simpson says that he probably is, but that he asks me if I am too. I choose to ignore O.J. Simpson's question, and instead I ask again for my laptop back. O.J. Simpson says no, and the lawyer once again remarks, this is not a race issue. In 1995, at 10.07 a.m., O.J. Simpson was acquitted on two counts of murder. An estimated 100 million people worldwide watched or listened to the verdict announcement, and it was widely reported that the result was celebrated by majority black communities while majority white communities were shocked and outraged. I remind O.J. Simpson of this story while he continues to stand on my laptop. I say that when I saw the documentary footage on it, I thought about what it would be like to have that many people watch you discover your fate. O.J. Simpson laughs at me and says that I'm a good kid. I ask him politely to not call me a good kid, but he just continues to laugh. Eventually he gets bored and says he needs to take a leak and touch his Heisman. He finally steps off from my laptop and disappears down the hallway beyond my room. The lawyer follows him closely. He says again that this is not a race issue. I scramble over to my laptop and after wiping away the footprints from where O.J. Simpson stood, I Google O.J. Simpson. After his Wikipedia page and official website, there are several articles still about his murder case, including five things that suggest O.J. Simpson killed his ex-wife. Just when I'm about to click on this article, O.J. Simpson returns from his bathroom break and tells me to get off his laptop. He now has his Heisman, which the lawyer is holding. This is not a race issue, the lawyer whispers. I tell O.J. Simpson that I'm sorry, but I think that this particular laptop belongs to me. O.J. Simpson looks confused, but then breaks out again into a sinister cold smile. He laughs and tells me again that I'm a good kid. I tell O.J. Simpson that I don't think there is any good in him at all, but that this doesn't mean that I think he has always been bad. O.J. Simpson looks at his watch, which is more valuable than all of my possessions combined. I have to go now, he says. And without so much as a goodbye, he turns to leave. And the lawyer follows him as well. This isn't a race issue, the lawyer says. And then it's just me again, alone in my room with my laptop.
thank you. Um, so I, 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 on that note, I'm, I'm actually pretty poor at the moment. If you want to buy my work, it would like help me a lot. I'm not very good at selling them, but like, uh, it would be doing me a solid, honestly. Just like, come, come and buy one, please. Please, be cool. Um, I'm going to do one called Be Happy. It's Happy Day, International Happy Day. My book is about happiness. Can you not tell? <laughs> Feel free to join in. Read this poem and be happy. Answer your emails and be happy. Apply to some jobs and be happy. Eat breakfast and be happy. Drink decaffeinated herbal tea and be happy. Log into Twitter and be happy. Go for a walk around a park and be happy. Watch ducks floating along and be happy. Buy some reduced price food and be happy. Delete your unused phone contacts and be happy. Think about your ex and be happy. Do yoga and be happy. Watch Love Island and be happy. Go to a poetry event and be happy. Watch a Disney film and be happy. Lie and be happy. <laughs> Text someone you haven't talked to in ages and be happy. Cook instant noodles and be happy. Hold the hand of your significant other and be happy. Open your curtains and be happy. Click on random Wikipedia hyperlinks and be happy. Write down your feelings and be happy. Go to a rope workshop at your local BDSM club and be happy. <laughs> Think about what you want to eat later and be happy. Support your local immigrant communities and be happy. Go to church and be happy. Link me to all your socials and be happy. Eat five portions of fruit and be happy. Give up alcohol and be happy. Win a competition and be happy. Get published and be happy. Apply for Creative Scotland funding and be happy. <laughs> Forgive those who have wronged you and be happy. Join Scientology and be happy. Have more sex and be happy. Give up red meat and be happy. Get a salary job and be happy. Wash your face and be happy. Go to cognitive behavioral therapy and be happy. <laughs> Research something you know nothing about and be happy. Go on a date and be happy. Have a baby and be happy. Drink water and be happy. Watch the football and be happy. Claim benefits and be happy. Listen to Lana Del Rey and be happy. <laughs> Say no to racism and be happy. Ask me out on a date if you want and be happy. <laughs> Jump on your bed like a kid again and be happy. Buy a pet and be happy. Have a conversation with someone you hate and be happy. Become celibate and be happy. Write to your local parliamentary representative and be happy. Make use of your local libraries and be happy. Plan a mad trip to France and be happy. Call your family more and be happy. Retweet positive messages from celebrities and be happy. Talk openly about your views on Brexit and be happy. Kill all those who oppose you and be happy. Live, laugh and love and be happy. Purchase new IKEA furniture and be happy. Hold on to me close and be happy. Please don't forget me and be happy. Be happy and be happy. Buy my book and be happy.
it, it's been messy as fuck, but wonderful. <laughs> and I do it all over again. <laughs>